chapter five of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva piquette she wore a black velvet toque which bore upon its front two large crimson wings poised for flight and they seemed to typify the girl herself alert on tiptoe a bird of passage she had a nose very slightly retroussé black eyes rather small but expressive with brows and lids skilfully tinted her figure was graceful svelte and extraordinarily well groomed from her white gloves to the tips of her slender shiny boots and seemed out of place in the shadows of these murky surroundings for the rest she was mischievous tingling with vitality and joyous at this unexpected meeting horton glanced past her and saw a figure in a slouch hat go out of the door then from the darkness turn and beckon but jim horton was given no opportunity to escape and harry's warning gesture if anything served to increase his curiosity as to this lovely apparition monsieur valcourt monsieur horton she said indicating her companion with a wave of the hand and then as he shook hands with her companion a handsome man with a well-trimmed grayish moustache monsieur valcourt is one day the greatest sculptor in the world monsieur horton is the hero of boissiere wood you know of the fight in boissiere put in jim and who does not it is all in le matin to-day and here i find you trying to hide yourself in the obscure cafe of monsieur javet she stopped suddenly and before he realized what she was about had thrown her arms over his shoulders and kissed him squarely upon the lips he felt a good deal of a fool with monsieur valcourt and the villainous-looking javet grinning at them but the experience was not unpleasant and he returned her greeting wholeheartedly wondering what was to come next and when laughing gaily she released him he turned toward monsieur valcourt who was regarding her with a dubious smile for all her prosperity monsieur horton valcourt was saying in french she is still a gamine and who would wonder mon vieux to live expensively is very comfortable but even comfort is tedious does not one wish to laugh with a full throat to kick one's toes or to put one's heels upon a table la la i do not intend to grow too respectable i assure you jim horton laughed she had spoken partly in english partly in french translating for both and then let me assure you madame said valcourt with a stately bow that you are not in the slightest danger of that but she was already turning to horton again a hero the world is full of heroes to-day but not one like my harry horton allons i must have a talk with you alone lucien she said sharply turning to valcourt i will come to the studio to-morrow monsieur le duc thinks i am gone away but now i would be a poor creature not to give my brave soldier a welcome if monsieur will excuse me said valcourt offering his hand jim horton took it wondering where the adventure was to lead 
she was a very remarkable person and her elan had already carried him off his feet taking his hand in hers with a charming simplicity she led him into the room at the rear now occupied by a number of persons of both sexes and bade monsieur javet himself serve them and when they were seated at a table her hands still in his she examined him with a new interest it is indeed you she said gaily and yet you seem different more calm more silent what is it i've had two months in the hospital and you're quite strong again oh yes and you have been well piquette well but so ennuyé it is why i come back here to the quartier to get a breath of fresh air i've been posing for monsieur valcourt la liberte he says my figure is better than ever and valcourt knows i'm sure you are very lovely la la mon vieux but you are the grand serieux of course i am lovely it is my business but you do not show me how lovely i am for you are so quiet so cool jim horton laughed and caught her fingers to his lips you are piquette that is enough c'est mieux but you are changé one does not look death in the eyes without feeling its cold touch oh but i am glad you are come back to me you shall be here long i don't know when i shall get my orders but until then things shall be as they were with us two eh my little one and i shall help you now in the great affair but monsieur de vautrin becomes more unpleasant he is a very tiresome old man jim horton started unconsciously then remembered that it was in connection with de vautrin that quinlevin had mentioned this very girl piquette he understood better now the reason for harry's gesture from the outer darkness the meeting had been a stroke of fate perhaps she held the key to the riddle tiresome yes he said slowly all old men are tiresome and difficile she mused sipping at her glass while i am pretty he likes to have me nearby but i know he cares nothing he will leave me nothing i am not content so i say i want to help in the great affair you have planned something in the hospital you and monsieur quinlevin uh, nothing definite monsieur le duc still pays horton meditated for a moment no he said he has stopped paying piquette morin leaned further over the table frowning ah since when for um, three months or more then you think he suspects something i don't know it looks so doesn't it yes perhaps she paused a moment and then i make him talk about the past as you ask me to i am no saint and the bon dieu has taught me to look out for myself i shall continue if he tries to get rid of me the way he did with his wife he will find me troublesome horton laughed i don't doubt it and then carefully you heard how he got rid of her he questioned 
it was uh, riches of course he spent her dough in a few months gambling at monte carlo and then when he came to her for more he abused and beat her she paused and her dark eyes snapped viciously he would not have beaten me she finished and then he asked wondering whither the conversation was leading and then as you know she ran away to ireland to ireland he muttered eagerly of course she said with a glance at him and when he got enough money he sailed round the world enjoying himself even now sometimes he's a beast it is then i come back to the quartier where i am born and bred to be merry again she sighed and then laughed gaily but to-night we must not talk of this tiresome matter it is your night mon vieux and we shall make it happy he kissed the rosy palm she thrust to his lips with difficulty concealing his curiosity but the child of monsieur le duc he urged after a moment of badinage he said nothing he paused as though in doubt she shrugged carelessly and lighted a cigarette monsieur is cautious he spoke nothing of the child except to say that it died with the mother the money came to him that was all he cared about mon Ari. to jim horton no light seemed to dawn and how to question without arousing the girl's suspicions was more than he could plan but he remembered quinlevin's uncertainty in the hospital his thought that harry might have talked to this girl so he took a chance you asked the duke no questions that might have aroused his suspicions no i think not and yet i remember once he asked me if i know monsieur quinlevin and what did you reply of course that i never heard of him he frowned at the cigarette in his fingers as harry would have frowned and imitated as nearly as possible the sullen mood of his brother the money has stopped coming to quinlevin we've got to do something parfaitement said piquette carelessly the time has come to produce the girl moira and the papers her glance was not upon his face or she would have seen the look of bewilderment and surprise suddenly distend his eyes but she heard him gasp and turned again toward him but by this time the missing pieces of the puzzle were at his fingers ends and he gathered them quickly it was moira who all these years had unconsciously impersonated the dead child who would have inherited and quinlevin had bled the duke for years with promises of silence harry had connived at the plot and now the coup they planned meant a sum of not less than seven figures and piquette knew all blackmail it was of the blackest for a moment he did not dare to speak for fear of betraying himself and then only assented safely to her suggestion yes it is the only thing to be done it must be managed carefully you are sure the papers are all correct it is as to that monsieur quinlevin has gone to ireland ah i see we must wait until he comes back 
but i shall help you mon ami you will rely upon me n'est-ce pas yes i will his mind was so full of this astonishing revelation that he sat silent and motionless while she changed the subject and chattered on the charm of the chance encounter was gone gamine she might be and irresponsible like others of her kind in paris or elsewhere but she was not for him he had a standard to measure her by you are so triste harry she broke in suddenly i do not think i like you so triste what shall we care you and i for monsieur le duc and his money to be young and in love she caught both of his hands across the table and held them you are not yet well harry i can see it is that for so long you do not know comfort and happiness allons i shall make you laugh again until the triste look come no more into your eyes he was about to give some token of his appreciation that would satisfy her when he saw her glance past his shoulder toward the door which led into the bar your friend who was with you he has come back again she whispered ah he turned and saw harry peering through the door he wants you to come c'est empêtant send him away i'm afraid i he rose uncertainly and turned wait he said i'll see and then walked out into the bar where harry obstinately awaited him i've had enough of this growled his brother you come out of here with me or i'll don't be a fool you could see that i couldn't help it you can help it now all right we'll have this thing out you and i tonight you meet me at the corner toward the boulevard in twenty minutes i'll get rid of her and without waiting for a reply he returned to piquette his mind made up i'm sorry he said to her but i've some urgent business with this man it can't be put off but i must see you soon she pouted and rose i can't explain not now you won't be cross it is not another woman she asked shrewdly another how can you ask no there are no other women in paris piquette you are cruel she muttered in a low tone her dark eyes flashing no it is a matter of importance will you let me have your address number eighty two boulevard clichy the same place good to-morrow i will write you without a word she gathered up her cloak and led the way out looking about curiously for her enemy of the evening but harry had disappeared she said nothing and they went out into the street where jim horton found a cab and put her into it Michon, she whispered softly it is not my fault piquette soon he gave the address to the cocher and she was gone jim horton stood for a moment listening to the sounds of the retreating fiacre as it rattled away over the cobblestones and then turned slowly back his anger at his discoveries long repressed by the necessities of his masquerade suddenly bursting the barriers of his self-control moira innocent the cat's paw the stool pigeon for these two rascals how much did she know how could quinlevin have carried the deception out all these years 
without de vautrin suspecting something and if as it seemed he was suspicious of them now who had told his own duty seemed very clear every impulse of honor and decency urged that he find this duc de vautrin and tell the whole truth but there was moira his first duty was to her but telling her meant revealing the secret of harry's disgrace and his own part in it that would be a difficult thing to do but he would have to do it he would tell her to-morrow as for harry he would make short work of him he went with long determined strides to the appointed spot and harry met him with a threatening air what the hell has she been saying he muttered jim horton was angry but he kept himself well in hand aware of his own physical superiority to this blustering shell of intrigue deceit and cowardice built in his own image if earlier in the evening he had had his moments of pity for his brother's misfortunes if he had planned to make restitution for the imprudence that had resulted in their undoing he had no such gentle feeling or purpose now as he didn't reply his brother continued angrily you've gone about your limit i tell you what did she tell you everything i've got the whole story and i'd like to tell you before we go any further that you're just about the crookedest he broke off with a shrug what's the use the worst thing i could say would be a compliment but you've come to the end of your tether i don't know why i hoped there might be a chance of getting you to go straight for her but i did the interesting revelations of this charming lady have removed the impression the money you took from the estate your questionable deals in america your habits put you outside the pale of decency but the blackmail of the duke with your own wife as stool pigeon harry in a sudden blind fury that took no thought of consequences struck viciously but jim who had been watching for the blow warded it tripped his brother neatly and sent him spinning against the wall where he fell and lay motionless but he was unhurt only bewildered by the result of his own incapacity get up jim ordered somebody will be coming along in a moment and we'll both be going with the police harry saw reason in that and slowly got to his feet pale still trembling with rage rubbing his hip joint but subdued the place they had chosen was in the shadow and the hour was late and no one was about but jim horton took a glance up and down the deserted street before he resumed his interrupted remarks i don't want any man's uniform when it's been defiled you ought to have known that i'm going to take it off and give it back to you he saw the eager surprised look that came into harry's face and raised his hand in warning but not yet first i'm going to tell your wife the truth and then i'm going to warn the duc de vautrin harry started back as though to dodge another blow the reaction of his venture setting in with the terror of this information jim he whispered clutching at his arm you wouldn't do that jim my god it's ruin to me and you too i'm prepared for that don't for god's sake don't wait i've met you half-way haven't i 
i'll do anything you say i'll steer quinlevin off and drop the thing it was his idea not mine and he wouldn't have thought of it if the old man hadn't shut off the allowance tell me the truth jim broke in sternly how much money did quinlevin owe you twenty thousand dollars and that was moira's price contemptuously i wanted her i loved her i swear to god i did i love her now i'd give anything to be able to go to her tonight. you you forget what i know it's the truth how much were you to get of this money of the duke's harry halted mumbling that wasn't settled well it's settled now said jim with an air of finality turning aside what are you going to do tell her in the morning you can't jim why she'd go right to quinlevin i expect her to and the duke harry leaned back against the wall his fingers working at his trouser legs but he was speechless that's about all i think said jim dryly good-bye then you won't listen not if i promise what anything why you've got me jim i can't do a thing with you ready to tell moira even if i wanted to what's the use it only means ruin for you wait a few days and we'll have another talk just wait until tomorrow night give me a chance to think i'll even i'll even get out of france and go out west somewhere and make a fresh start i will i mean it i did you a dirty trick once but i'll try to square myself give me a chance think it over meet me tomorrow. i'm all in tonight. promise you won't speak no said jim after a moment of deliberation i'll promise nothing but i'll meet you tomorrow night at javet's at twelve with the money harry gasped a sigh of relief and straightened offering his hand thanks jim tomorrow and you won't tell her i know you couldn't it would be too cruel she'll suffer my god you know her can't you see how she'd suffer i i didn't start this thing but you'll finish it jim she believes in him even if she doesn't believe in me it will kill her he saw that he had made an impression on his brother jim stood silent his head bowed don't tell her to-morrow jim harry pleaded promise jim shrugged and turned all right he said at last i'll sleep on it he turned away and walked slowly out into the dim light of the street moving toward the rue de tavennes he did not even turn his head to see what became of his brother already he had forgotten him the heat of his passion had suffered a strange reaction to resolve to tell moira the truth even to threaten to tell her was one thing but to tell was another and curiously enough harry's picture of the consequences drawn even in the stress of fear was true enough jim knew it was true he knew her pride her spirit the revelation would kill them and destroy her she was so dependent on him she didn't know how greatly and he had been until the present moment so dependent upon her he realized what her visits had meant to him how deep had been the joy of their evening alone in the studio 
he did not dare to think of her now as he had been thinking of her then for during the weeks of his convalescence and the culmination of their friendship to-night harry had seemed far off vague and impalpable but their meeting had changed all this and he was thankful that he had had enough manhood to keep his wits when he had been alone with her moira the pity of it had given him signs that he might read and run that the mockery of the marriage was a mockery no longer and it was her very confession of indifference and pity for harry as she had known him that seemed to give jim the right to care for and protect her he did care for her he was now willing to confess in a way far from fraternal he had always been too busy to think about women but moira had crept into his life when he was ill and unnerved needing the touch of a friendly hand and their peculiar relationship had given him no chance of escape nor her she had captured his imagination and he had succeeded where harry had not in winning her affection it was a dangerous situation and yet it fascinated him the knowledge that he must cause her suffering had weakened his resolve for a moment but as he walked into the rue de tavennes he saw it for the fool's paradise that it was he would spend to-morrow with her just to-morrow that could do no harm and then she should know everything he found his way into the court and up the stairs the studio door was closed implacable as the destiny that barred him from her he went into his room closed the door and slowly undressed then lay on the bed staring for a long while at the reflection of the street lamp upon the ceiling moira happiness reputation and dishonor or outcast but honorable End of chapter five